A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Hear what Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And as he showed himself, he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas the, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is, my, it is the Lord. Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about only a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you might have, that you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Because because they knew, now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. 
The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death for which he would, be glor- would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of our Lord. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My cousin Christopher is a doctor, and part of his work is to oversee the internship and residency programs at a teaching hospital in Buffalo, New York, where he lives. And as he says to me about the students who have graduated from medical school and come to be part of their residency or their internship with him, these people have put in four years of undergraduate study in a pre-med program somewhere, and they have put in three or four years of very intense graduate school study at medical school, They've graduated, and they've earned their MD, and now they are ready to learn. I don't know if it's because my two sons are in school and we're very deep into that world, or because for the past year and a half I've been a student again myself, but lately it occurs to me that the lessons of Scripture make the most sense when we think about them in the context of students and teachers and what it means to be a student of a teacher. And on Palm Sunday, I invited us to imagine teachers or influential figures in our lives that helped change the course of our life as a way of illustrating what distinguishes the master teacher from your common, ordinary, garden-variety teacher, Uh, supposing it to be the case that for Christians... Jesus is the master teacher. One of the things that characterizes the master teacher is that the master teacher delivers the lesson on time, right when the student needs to receive it. Now, in the case of the disciples, apparently some of the lessons they needed to receive could not be delivered until after Jesus had died. These appearances of Jesus in the Gospels after his resurrection are among my favorite stories in the, Gospel, in the whole Bible. And there are, I think, two reasons why this is the case. They are all characterized by two qualities, one of which is that in his post-resurrection form, whatever that might have been, Jesus appears 
to his disciples, and in each case, at least initially, they failed to recognize him. It says they saw a man standing on the beach and they didn't know who it was. You would think that after they had dedicated years of their life to him and discipled themselves to him and spent day and night working alongside him, that they would recognize him. Unless that tells us something about what it means to be a master teacher. Your lessons sometimes appear in a guise that the student, at least initially, does not recognize. The other thing that characterizes these post-resurrection stories is that although Jesus has died and been raised and is in some mysterious, shape-shifting, glorified form, his interactions with the disciples are completely ordinary. He walks on the road with them. He talks to them about current events. He waves to them from the shore on the beach. Hey, how's it going? How many fish have you caught? And then he eats food with them. Always he eats food with them. So there's this combination of qualities of unexpectedness, strangeness, and totally ordinary familiarity in the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. And Peter, the object of this lesson, uh, is famous as among the disciples and is often characterized as the disciple whom we can most relate to because he's the most bumbling of the disciples. I submit that I think all the disciples have an equal share in bumbling. But Peter's story is characterized less by more bumbling and more by a kind of reversal of fortune. In his relationship with Jesus, he is sometimes up, then he's down. Then he's up again, then he's down again, then he's up again. And there's a kind of uh, symmetry to the stories and the relationship that Peter has with Jesus as he follows him. Careful readers have long observed that in this conversation that Jesus and Peter have after breakfast on the beach, that Jesus affords Peter three opportunities to express his love and devotion and faithfulness to Jesus, a counterpoint to the three denials that Peter makes on the day Jesus dies, as Jesus said he would. The lesson that Peter evidently needed to learn about what it really means to love Jesus and what it really means to be forgiven could evidently not have been imparted to Jesus until after Peter had so spectacularly failed him as a student by denying him at the time of his death. But the master teacher returns to make good on the promise of leading and offering a new lesson and takes exactly Peter's most spectacular failure and uses that as the place to give him the next and most important lesson. If you love me, feed my sheep. In my own life, in the past year, two very important teachers from my art school days died. One of them was a photography teacher, and one of them was a printmaking teacher. Each of them were master teachers in their particular craft. And thanks to Facebook, on the news of their departure, former students of theirs 
shared stories and reflections and lessons that they had learned from those teachers um, through the medium of Facebook. And what occurred to me on thinking of those days and what I learned then and what I took away is that most of the lessons that those teachers tried to teach were, I was unable to receive them at the time. There were students, fellow students in those classes, who, for whatever reason, were able to receive what the teacher had to teach at the time that they taught it. And those students gained the most from those teachers, at least in that short amount of time that we were together. For my part, as I looked back, I realized that my inability or on my not being ready to receive what the teacher had taught was what inhibited me from making the most of my art school experience. But those lessons have continued to bear fruit over time. Because they were master teachers, they were teaching me through the medium of printmaking and photography, but what they were really teaching me about was how to be a human being which is why even though I may not practice printmaking or photography anymore, the lessons those teachers imparted continue to be important and to bear new fruit in my life. So maybe you were here on Palm Sunday and you had a person in mind when I asked you to imagine who was that influential teacher, who was that person who, who helped you get to where you are now. And maybe that person is gone now. Maybe that person isn't part of your life anymore but maybe the things they had to share with you and the things they had to teach you continue to live on. For the disciples, some of the things that Jesus had to teach them could only be taught after their common experience of his death and resurrection and reappearance among them. Sometimes I think for churchgoers, sometimes I think we come and we expect that in in our hour or a little more than an hour on Sunday morning, we can, we can receive a complete, full, and sufficient lesson about our whole life from the lessons and the prayers and the worship that we conduct together. And maybe something that we can take away from today's lesson is that what it means to be a disciple to Jesus means that it's a long-term investment in learning how to be a human being. And that the lessons from our master come right when we need them, sometimes when we least expect them, sometimes concealed in strangeness and unrecognizability. And sometimes even after we think the teacher has died and has left us with nothing else to learn. The lessons that God wants to give to us through his son Jesus, carry on through every circumstance and after any and all calamity. And the spirit of God revives in us and brings us to new and deeper understandings of God so long as we continue to seek for God and God's wisdom. So that our lifetime, lifelong commitment to following Jesus may lead us like Peter to a new experience of what it means to be merciful, what it means to be generous, what it means to love and commit ourselves to the kingdom of God 
and perhaps above all, what it means to forgive and to be forgiven. And when we encounter those things anew in our life, whether with one another here in church or out in the world, then we also hear the words of Jesus spoken to Peter, that if you love me, feed my sheep, and then keep following me. Amen.